Warning, listening to spooky things creates a high sense of paranoia, anxiety, and the all-around heebie-jeebies. Listeners are advised. for tuning in my name is shelby and i'm ren and you guys are listening to midnight spirits a paranormal podcast so like i said thank you guys very much for tuning in once again um ren and i are doing this through a zoom meeting once again so if the audio isn't as great we do sincerely apologize but there's been a couple things that don't allow us to be together at this point so Cold and flu season is not very nice during during COVID season. No, it's not. So, so it's one of those things where we just have to take that extra precaution. So again, you know, we apologize, but yeah, thanks for sticking with us. So. Yeah. We actually do have a really cool story for you guys today. Um, this is actually one that I knew nothing about just because it's so far from us. Like I legit Googled it, Shelby. It's 32 hours from us. That's, that's far. <laughs> very far. So I had never heard of it. So she gave me two options on like Tuesday and was like, which one do you want to do? And I was like, well, this one sounds cool. Cause I knew nothing about it. And, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're pretty, pretty excited to, uh, share this with you today. So again, if you, if you don't mind, just stick with us. Uh, the audio is probably not going to be great, but I promise the content will be awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastico. <laughs> So um, we do want to say, so we are traveling this week to the West Coast. So um, I do want to say, you know, you know, with all the uh, the West Coast fires, everything like that, you know, I hope you guys are all staying safe and, you know, taking care of one another with all the rough times for everybody that's out in the South and the Gulf and the Atlantic specifically, you know, with all the hurricanes that keep whacking you guys, yeah. you know, please stay safe you know, we're, we're rooting for all of you to do okay. And us Midwesterners are just like, what happened to the murder hornets? So. Yeah. Yeah. We've got it not too bad at this point. We just have some rain. So, so yeah, definitely thinking about you guys and hoping that everybody's staying safe and stay, staying safe and healthy. Yes. So, all right. So we'll go ahead and let you guys know what's happening. So like I said, we are traveling to Apparently 32 hours. (laughs) So we're hopping over to the great old state of Washington. So today we're going to be talking about a really cool, so the history of it is really dark. Yeah, it's super dark, but like it's such an interesting, such an interesting uh, place. (laughs) 
yeah for real so it's it's super cool um I can't you know what I mean at this point <laughs> so we are going to be talking today about the starvation heights sanitarium so you know we're going to jump right into a true crime aspect on this episode specifically um so we'll go right into the history of it so um, Linda Hazard is the woman who owns Starvation Heights Sanitarium. So she was born as Linda Burfield on December 18th of 1867 in Carver, Minnesota. 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 Um, she was one of eight children to Montgomery and Susan Burfield. Uh, she got married in the late 1800s, closer to the 1900s. Um, so you guys have to really remember when we're talking about this, this is the earliest 20th century. Um, so Linda Hazard was quote unquote a uh, nurse. I'm not really sure how we want to. <laughs> well, like, yeah. So she, she actually, she had no medical degree, uh, but, right. she, but she was licensed to practice med medicine in Washington state through a loophole. Um, yes that was grandfathered uh, in some practitioners of alternative medicine without degrees. So I'm not, right. I didn't entirely understand the loophole, but in one way or another, she was able to find one uh, purely because she studied under Edward Hooker Dewey, who was yes. a doctor um, who was apparently a champion in fasting. So apparently right. through that loophole, she was then able to do what she did. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys got with Ren saying all that. You guys have to take in consideration. Medicine at this time was not completely understood. It was um, not top notch. It was terribly regulated. So um, it wasn't something that you know if somebody came out with the medicine, they just distributed it. There was no research. There was no figuring out anything. And this was the prime time. <laughs> For snake oil to cure all. So, oh, that's right. Yes. I forgot so, about that. Snake oil was the cure all for any ailments that yeah. people had. Yeah. So, as Ren stated earlier, that she mentored under a gentleman by the name of Edward Hook, du Hooker Dewey, who was a practicing physician. And so, after her mentorship, before she actually opened up, the her sanitarium she actually opened up a medical place in Minneapolis so um she only left that practice because in 1902 the Minneapolis authorities were honing in on her practice work and so they became su suspicious and so they started investigating her medical practices due to suspicious deaths that were occurring so yep. In 1902, she moved to Olala, I hope I said that correctly, Olala, Washington, which is only a ferry ride from Seattle, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And she opened a sanitarium called the Wilderness Heights Sanitarium in 1906. So as Ren stated earlier, she was licensed through the state of Washington as a quote-unquote fasting specialist. Um, so she actually... The reason why she started this practice was because her ideal beliefs were that food was the, the cause for all ailments. So the food that we were eating during that time was the reason that 
people were getting sick, getting cancers, everything else. And fasting was the way to cure mm-hmm. all the ailments. So also, as I said earlier, you know, during this time, she wrote a book called The Fasting for the Cure of Disease in 1908, which is what made people want to start coming to her. So patients, you know, began seeing her and using her fasting techniques to cure any of the ailments that they had. Uh, some patients would fast for days, weeks, some even months. months. Yeah. <laughs> so with Hazard occasionally giving their, her patients tomato, asparagus, or orange juice. Yeah. So that's, guys, that's what, that, that was their daily intake. Their diet literally consisted of small amounts of tomato and asparagus juice. And occasionally as a treat, they would get a teaspoon, a teaspoon of orange juice. That's literally yeah, what they ate. I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, okay, well, you're not really eating any solids. All that acid is just going to build. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so, but yeah, so a lot of people would come to her because apparently her fasting techniques would work. So, you know, patients would pay up front for her, their medical bills. And it, there is a rumor that the richer clients would have to sign over their worldly possessions in order to be a part of this, this treatment program. Um, it's also said that it was allegedly a forged document stating that it was for treatment unknowingly that they would give over all their possessions if they died. So, um, so like, yeah. <laughs> Many patients did survive the treatments, which is really nice, and they would highly praise her for her work and claim that she could cure any ailment, which is why people kept coming to her. However, <laughs> there's a flip side to it as well. A lot of the patients didn't survive the fasting techniques. So relatives of the survivor patients would complain to the authorities because they're literally looking as what they call a quote-unquote living skeleton. Yeah, well, they were, they were starving, essentially. Yeah. They were starving. They were just so thin. Um, can, I, can I add the local farmers? So where her um, sanitarium was, it was actually a cottage. Mm-hmm. And so there were literally local farmers that kept an eye on the place, and they would see patients... Um, take their daily walks because part of her uh, requirement for this treatment is they would have to go and they would have to undergo anemas. They would have to do uh, vigorous massages and they would have to take long walks uh, at least once a day, sometimes multiple times a day. And these farmers would watch as these patients took their daily walks from the cottage to the store and back. And so of course um, with that, with them starving, um, they would soon see that these walks became daily, almost crawls as the patients just, their energy would just dissipate and they would get thinner and thinner and thinner. So it, it's, it, it was an extreme fasting, not yeah. something that you highly recommended. Right. No, it was, it was extreme. It was, it exceeds extreme. Yeah. So, so but anyway, sorry. No. But so unfortunately, authorities at the time would not do anything because they signed those documents. They were willing participants for the treatment. So during that time, there was nothing that she could really do. Her first known patient to have died 
in the facility is in 1908. So um, she claims that when her the when her patient died, it was due to an undiagnosed medical issue, so something like cancer or cirrhosis of the liver, mm -hmm. uh, and that was the result of their death, not the actual fasting. And so this is when people became, and the locals started calling it Starvation Heights Sanitarium because they're seeing all the people that are coming in and then leaving the place and- Or not know, leaving at all. Yeah, and so, you know, they're, they're living skeletons legitimately. <laughs> so what actually got her in big trouble was the death of Claire Williamson and so I'm going to talk a little bit just about, about her. So um, the sisters were, so Claire Williamson and her sister Dorothy Williamson were two wealthy British women who came to Hazard for treatment. I don't know what kind of ailment they had. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really anything that said. Why they were admitted. Yeah, but basically they traveled all the way um, to get this, this treatment. So... Unfortunately, Claire died in 1911. So during the time of her death, she only weighed 50 pounds. So if you can imagine that, that's what, like a five or a six year old? Oh, that's, that yeah, that's, yeah, that's tiny. It's that's it, thin. That's super thin, you know, and it's, so it's not really understood how they actually got helped, but um, it is rumored that either Claire or Dorothy had gotten a telegraph, I'm not sure how, they got it out somehow, to their family to tell them of their treatment, but by the time the telegraph had arrived, Claire was already dead. Yeah. Um, so a family friend of the sisters actually showed up at the compound to take the girls home, only to find that Claire had died and Dorothy was too weak to leave on her own accord. She, so Claire unfortunately did pass away, but Dorothy actually lived. Um, but at the time of her rescue, she was only 60 pounds. So the Williamson, fam the Williamson family sued Hazard for the wrongful death of, of Claire. And this blew up in the media like this is something that a lot of the newspaper articles got a hold of because they went in and actually saw a lot of their patients mm -hmm. in this state and so it was it was traumatizing and so you're looking at the jury at that point and you're like you know <laughs> you see here's all the evidence yeah 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 so and, but because actually Dorothy did survive, she actually went on to testify against Hazard in the trial. So uh, Linda was actually convicted of manslaughter in 1912, serving a sentence of two to 20 years in the Washington State Penitentiary sorry, mm -hmm. in Walla Walla. <laughs> I am terrible at reading and <laughs> you're kidding at the same time. So she served her sentence in Walla Walla. Uh, she only served two years of that sentence and was actually released in 1915. And then in the year 1916, she was granted a full pardon. By the governor, Ernest Lister. Yeah, which... Tisk tisk. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but... 
So at that point, her, after her release and after she granted, got granted the full pardon in 1916, her and her husband moved to New Zealand where she opened up practice as a dietitian and osteopath until the year of 1920. Um, however, she was using the title of doctor which she, there was nothing, there's no medical degree, there's no licensing saying that she is a doctor. It's just only the, the only license that she does have is that, that fasting specialist. Mm -hmm. And the New Zealand Health Board actually got a hold of that and they're like, whoa, 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 what's up with this? And they actually contacted Washington and because of her trial and everything else, her sentencing or her license was revoked. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> at that time, she only got charged five pounds. So it's... Which, but at that time, that was probably a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like, I think I looked it up and it was like, what, $462, $452, like US dollars. Something like that. Yeah. Back in like 2014. So like now it's kind of like, you only got fined $452 for that. Like even in 2014, it's like, you only got charged $452 for that. Yeah. But yeah, but in 1917, that was probably equivalent to, that was probably oh. a pretty hefty fine. Right. So after her fine and everything else, she still continued to practice. Uh, she did decide, her and her husband decided to return to Washington in 1920, where they opened up a new sanitarium, which was called the School of Health. And there she, um, because her license had been revoked at that point, she supervised fast. So she wouldn't actually, <laughs> Ren's over there shaking her head, like, what is happening? <laughs> Why? Take the girl away. Yes. So, but, so she supervised the fast and was a part of the building until 1935 when the building burned down. After that, nothing was ever re re rebuilt. So Hazard and her husband continue to live on. Um, she, Linda died in Coincidentally June. enough. <laughs> After a while, though. She died in June 24, 1938, due to starvation. She was, she was attempting a fasting cure. Yes, she was trying to do another fasting cure and actually let herself to be <laughs> starved to death. Um, so Linda has a death count of at least 18 known people, but it is believed to be up around 40 or more mm -hmm. people yeah. during her practice. Yep. So. So with the dark history, um, there is usually paranormal events that follow traumatic, traumatic incidents. Um, so it is said that the spirits of her victims are believed to haunt the grounds at the Wilderness Heights, a.k.a. Starvation Heights, uh, once stood on. Um, it is important to mention that now the only uh, evidence of the sanitarium, since it's no longer standing, it is just a concrete foundation and the incinerator that remains where the building once stood. So the whole building isn't actually there anymore. It's just the foundation and the incinerator. Right. So that's why that's why the spirits are of the victims are known or are believed to haunt the grounds where it once stood. Um, in particular, two boys named Jeff and Kyle um, have been reported to be seen there, um, and 
some investigators have gone into they've gone into the cottage and then once the cottage was gone and it was just the foundation they visited people investigators have visited um, the, just the grounds itself um, EVPs have been caught specifically EVPs that say help me and are you talking about me now uh, there is another EVP that's out there. It's unknown whether the EVP says take us up or dig us up. Uh, but yeah, so several EVPs have been caught. Um, it is rumored, and I say that hefty, it is a rumor that the incinerator was used to cremate Hazard's victims. However, while the rumor is, you know, catchy and some people do believe that, it is unlikely due to the fact that the authorities were obviously keeping a very close eye on her, um, especially after she had undergone that, you know, manslaughter uh, mm -hmm. trial. Um, also, I didn't find anything about reports of like stench or odor coming from coming from the cottage or the sanitarium. Um, if and let's just be realistic here, if she was actually cremating the bodies in that incinerator it would you put off it yeah it would put off some sort of odor um so i couldn't find any reports of that which leads me to believe that <clears throat> it is purely just a rumor so yeah I, I would tend to think that was kind of more just of a rumor kind of sense because yeah to make it you know i mean it was already it was already a very interesting history yeah but something to kind of make it it wasn't dark enough so let's make it a little darker so but yeah, so that is that is purely just a rumor, but yeah. um, it does obviously possess quite the history and it has obviously captured national attention. Um, mm -hmm. So the story of Starvation Heights was actually profiled for the TV show Deadly Women, and it was also featured in Ghost Hunters, aka TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society. Um, it was featured in one of their episodes. So the story has also been turned into a book and a play. Yes. And so actually the book's really cool because it talks a lot about, especially when the cottage was still standing, um, because after, you know, the Hazard family lived there, somebody else actually did buy the home. Yes. Um, so they, the author of this book goes into a lot of detail from what the owner's perspective was and the owners themselves would sit there and be like, no, 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 this place is haunted. And like, I guess one place in particular where there was the most haunted area was the original fireplace and so oh, really yeah so because apparently it, it is claimed that there were um symbols carved into the the fireplace interesting and so whatever those symbols were created a bad energy space usually and, yeah if, if, you, if you're looking at symbols and stuff like that that could possibly hint at some sort of like ritualistic events happening there so I could I could see how bad energy might be yeah. associated with that um, I was gonna say you were telling me you, you had a couple of things to add to the paranormal right and so um, another thing that I do kind of want to point out like especially when the the original cottage was still standing the um, the original bathtub that was in the home was also kind of claimed to have people been touched when they're near it because she or the homeowners originally believed that Linda would complete her autopsies 
in the bathtub. Really? Yeah. So that's why I kind of feel like the incinerator was a rumor because she had, I mean, literally their, their skin and bones at that point. You yeah. You usually do the autopsies and Linda would actually, it is, it is alleged that, you know, she would do the death certificates for them. And so she would complete the autopsies in that bathtub and be like, well, no, they had this or this and the fasting wouldn't cause the issue. Right. The, the fasting wasn't the reason it was this di- this, this undisclosed diagnosis or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. so it was believed that that original bathtub like housed all the the patients that did die because of the autopsies and stuff like that and so they would have a dark sense there and some people claim being touched during that point so and then the other report that I did found was that um so there have been mostly reports that it's a peaceful place like it it can Mm -hmm. be quite nice and relaxing to go to um, others have heard screams when the original house was still there. They would hear scratching on the walls, things like that. But the most common one that I found was that when people drive by, because as Ren said, you know, the only thing left is the foundation and that incinerators, but people seem to see figures walking on the ground or next to the road on the property line. So, which makes me think, you know, when Ren was talking about them going for their daily walks, they're stuck in that pattern of, okay, we have to walk, we have to walk, we have to walk. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Because that, at that point, that was kind of the routine. They, they didn't get food and what they did get was like a juice slash soup of literally just tomato and asparagus right. and a little bit of orange juice on occasion. So you mix that with, I mean, at that point when, when, you know, your body's in that starvation mode, long walks are a like very extreme activity. Yeah. They're you not know? good for you at that it's, point. Yeah. It's, it's not a leisurely walk. It was a long walk, both there and back sometimes multiple times a day. Right. And when your body's not getting nourished and you're not getting any sort of nutrition whatsoever, and it's literally eating itself alive. I mean, it takes energy just to get out of bed and do the daily activities that you have to do. Right. So imagine trying to walk, you know, <laughs> even a mile two or three times a day. Yeah. Like, no. I mean, you're talking two or three miles a day, not running, walking, but that's a ton of energy for a body that's starving, literally yeah. just eating itself alive. Yeah. It's literally, that's all it's doing is just yeah. eating itself at that point. And it's like, you have no muscle structure. You have no, nothing to give you that energy because your body has taken everything from you because it's trying to survive at that point. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. And so it's like, and I mean, the thing is, is it's like, you know, fasting and because the reason she was doing it was, you know, she believed like you had touched on, she believed that the food that we were eating was causing these illnesses. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, and, you know, you hear about detoxing and you hear about fasting and detoxing and detoxing the toxins that are in your body. And there are healthy ways to do that, but literally starving yourself to the point that you're, you know, 50, 60 pounds, that's not good. And I shouldn't say starving yourself because she was the one starving them, but initially, you know, they checked themselves into the center. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, for, you know, fasting air quotes, fasting. Um, but 
it, I mean, in a high, like all around way, what she was doing was she was starving them. And, um, now what Shelby said earlier, um, you know, they could check themselves in, they would sign over their wills and stuff like that. Um, but supposedly, um, the patients could leave at any time, Mm -hmm. but the patients believed that they were there getting treatment, you know, and that they were going to come out of this healthy. So they trusted whatever she said, but yeah, no, it's just, it, it just baffles my mind. It baffles my mind how far like medic medical wise mm-hmm. our world has come because now we look at that and we're like, okay, first of all, you weren't a doctor. You right. had a certification for fasting. Congratulations, you know? And I mean, even like nursing is uh, like, I mean, you have, you have anywhere from two to four years in college now and you have to pass, you know, like a state yeah, you gotta certification, like, yeah, like you got to do boards, you got to, you got a certification and that's just for, you know, nursing, which yeah, is a wonderful, yeah, which is a wonderful career. But I mean, now imagine a doctor, I mean, doctors are now like 12 years of college yeah. and not even that, like Plus residencies. Yeah, you, you got your internship, you got your residency, you got everything else. And then after you become like your nurse or your doctor, um, you still have to take continuing education points. Yep. You have to have those in order to keep up your licensing. And it's if you fail to do that, your license gets revoked, you know? Yeah. And you best not be caught dead. Still practicing <laughs> medicine these days doing that because you won't get just two years. No, no, you will. In prison, so... No, but I, I found a very five pound fine. <laughs> I found yeah, five pound fine. Um, I did find it very interesting though, just just the entire the entire case. It, it was it was a lot of fun not knowing um, anything about this and going into it completely blind and seeing what exactly went down. But fun fact, she did uh, she she has now been nicknamed Starvation Doctor. Yes, so. <laughs> she is. So yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's all I've got. That's all I've got on my end. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so, so, so much for sticking with us. If you stayed with us through the entire podcast, we truly appreciate it. Um, like we said, we know that the audio probably wasn't the best. The connection for some reason, Zoom's being a little funny today and the connection's been a little off. So we have had to work with that as well, but we do, we do appreciate, uh, you guys sticking with us. Um, especially during this time, you know, like, like Shelby said at the beginning, there's, there's so much going on in the world, you know, there's, you know, the, the illnesses and the fires and the weather and just a ton of stuff, you know, murder hornets and everything. So. Oh, Ren, the murder hornets are gone. We're looking for them. Remember? Oh, sorry. We're on to aliens now. Yeah, we're aliens. We've got UFOs flying around now. So yeah, we'll we see. Pennsylvania we'll see. We'll see. We've got what October, September, September, October, November, we got four months left. So I don't know. I don't know what else could possibly be on the agenda for 2020, but I'm sure it's going to find something. We'll find out (laughs) each month. It's just like, all right, who had this on their bingo card this month? (laughs) Who was that a bingo? UFOs, UFOs, September, October, anybody, anybody, anybody. So Mutant turtles. Mutant turtles? Anybody? No, don't, don't, don't say that. All right. Mutant turtles. That's it. That's going to be, that's going to be November. 
Maybe I can study them. There you go. Mutant turtles. Get my masters. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, again, if you're not following us on social media, on Twitter, we are at Spirits Midnight. And then on Instagram, we are Midnight Spirits Podcast. And if you want to shoot us an email for some odd reason, we would enjoy it. We are Midnight Spirits Podcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon. Patreon. So again, I know we say this all the time. Um, anything that you donate to the Patreon, uh, obviously will go back into the stream. Um, it will, you know, go towards soundproofing the, uh, the room that we're often in. Um, it'll go towards equipment to make, you know, connections better for if we are ever separated again, which I'm sure we will be, yeah. um, you know, so it would provide for a mic for, you know, Shelby and some, uh, you know, headphones and stuff like that. So anything that we do make from the podcast from the podcast will obviously go back into the podcast. So, so again, your support and your listening is more than enough. We appreciate it beyond belief. That option is just there. If you wanted to find another way to contribute to the podcast. So, so yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, We will be back. We'll be back again on Sunday. So thank you guys again so much. Bye. Bye.